I'm sifting through the scraps. I'm sifting through the scraps. History is like that. It barks and it barks. Woof, 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 woof. This is a tale of revolt, of mine, of men, of poor dogs and curs. Woof, 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 woof. Of lost uncles and fathers. Woof, 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 woof. But it takes a while to work out what it's saying. Woof. But before I can tell it properly, I have to decide what side I'm on, what side I'm on, what side I'm on, what side are you on? And I'm still getting the story straight. A reading life, a writing life, with writer and teacher Sally Bailey. Produced by Andrew Smith. We'll have none of your amateur dramatics, young lady. That's what Mum used to say. We'll have none of your amateur dramatics around here, young lady. Well, clearly that didn't work, did it? Once a drama queen, always a drama queen. It's not even nine o'clock in the morning yet. For Pete's sake. For Pete's sake. My aunt used to say that all the time. For Pete's sake, will you just shut up, you little bastards? Those sorts of things. Those sorts of things, they stay with you. Yes, they do. So last night, there was a rather large bang in my kitchen. More than a bit of a bang, as I commonly say when I knock my microphone against something like this. That's more of a dull thud, I would say. No, this was a rather splendid, backfiring sort of car sound. And I think, well, I've been imagining, which isn't quite the same thing as thinking, I've been imagining that there might be a bird that's plummeted down the chute, C-H-U-T-E, of my chimney. That is to say of my gas boiler chimney, which we call a call, call, C-A-W-L, the cover, on the top of the chute going out of my boat. Now, what I'm about to do, you probably shouldn't do at home, but I rang my friend Paul last night, who's kindly coming to listen to my bang, my backfiring car sound this afternoon and he said don't worry Sal a bit of a bang won't do you any harm I'd have another go if I were you so I'm going to have another go Paul doesn't sound exactly like that but he's he's very jolly about taking risks is our Paul he knows a lot about boats he's built them from scratch and he said to me that's just a bit of backfiring. 
But of course, I've managed to imagine something worse. At the moment, I'm thinking fat seagull stuck in gas chute. So I'm going to put on my hot water because that's the way that my gas boiler fires up. Fires up. Yes, fires up. Okay, let's do this. Let's put the hot water on. Plug in the sink. Now, that is a pilot light trying very hard. That is a very, very effortful pilot light. But I think you can tell it hasn't yet caught. So it might be that the battery is also low. It's battery run. It's taken. It's taken, it's taken, it's taken. But I still think we shouldn't be trying so hard to light a boiler, to ignite it. It shouldn't need quite so many goes. So I think I will still ask my dear friend Paul, the mariner, to come do some adjusting of the pipes. Adjusting of the pipes. And I'm here still to tell the tale I was not blown up by my own gas boiler. So that is a relief. I've lived to tell the tale. It's spring. Tingling, tingling. And I'm looking again at my first book. Well, I think of it as my first book. It's not really, but it's the book I've been asked to read from and perform from and discuss to some school children in Italy tomorrow, so I'm looking at my manuscript. I've pulled out my old proofs of Girl with Dove. That title, Girl with Dove, is the title of a Picasso painting which I first saw in the dining hall of the children's home come behavioural unit. Come psychiatric hospital which I was left in aged 14 or so for a rather long spell as it turned out. So I'm looking again at Girl with Dove and I'm remembering that so much of it begins with flowers. I know the names of all the old English flowers because I had a grandmother and a mother who tended to them at the bottom of our scrubby patch of garden. I am the daughter of an English florist, and I have been trained to smell flowers suspiciously. What's that then? If the roses didn't smell, they weren't real. 
artificial, Mum declared. Nothing at all, not a single bit, not even a tiny bit of pong. Artificial, I tell you. Artificial. Roses that don't pong weren't roses at all. When you smelled a rose, you had to make sure that what you were smelling was the real thing, the old English thing, the smell that sent you Ring a ring of roses, a pocket full of poses, a tissue, a tissue, we all fall down. And back, and back, headlong back. As I read that, I can see my mother's nose dipped over the edge of her pink Roses, her old English roses, that climbed along the side of our brick wall in my first house. 14 Granville Road, Little Hampton, West Sussex, BN 175JZ. I like the fact that we ended with a Z. The last letter in the alphabet, and perhaps the last place, the very last place on earth you'd wish to be. 14 Granville Road, with a scrubby patch of garden at the back. What turned out to be a council house then. Worse than that, a slum. The children don't know what sort of house it is they're living in. They only know the house they're in is theirs. There, there, that's Mum spraying off the green fly at the back of the garden. Shh, shh, there, there, that's my grandmother putting on the kettle for tea. My grandmother, Edna May, with her nose against the window, watching Mum snip the blooms. Tea roses, climbers, I don't know which, but pale pink, baby pink, the pink of Mum's pillowcases, the pink of little Bo Peep's cheeks when she blushes from the heat, from the heat. Pink, pink, pale pink, baby pink, the pink of Mum's pillowcases, the pink of little Bo Peep's cheeks when she blushes from the heat. And as I read that, I can see the pink of that hat, that sun hat I used to wear. Hats, they take me back, back to that scrubby patch of garden and my mother's tea roses. Pale pink, baby pink. And as I read this passage from Girl with Dove, the first part of a coming-of-age story, a literary coming-of-age, which tells the story of my childhood as I transpose it upon the character life of my favourite characters from the age of eight onwards. I see that colour pressing against my inner eye 
my imagination and I understand that what I was trying to do in writing, the repetition of pink and cheeks and heat, was to find a relationship with an image which I could touch and hold that would take me back to that moment in the garden when I was aged about four. I was not yet at school. I had not yet begun to read in the way I did later. By the time I was eight, I was reading five books a week because that was what was permitted at the local library, which became my version of a church. Reading became my religion early on. But that colour pink, pink, rose pink, the colour of my straw hat after all these years. Sit in the shade, Mum says. Always sit in the shade, never on the side of a hill. My love, come on, sit in the shade. My mum's voice rising and falling over the side of a hill and it's the hill of memory and I'm trying to cross up and over and land on that image of the pink, rose pink straw hat which I'm merging and blending as a kind of imagistic potpourri in my mind's eye. It's a sort of poetry and it's a sort of embroidery work from sounds and pictures. It's a photographic album, poetically speaking, and I'm turning the pages. As I turned the pages of my favourite murder mysteries from the age of eight, I learnt to read from my grandmother. It was my grandmother to whom I brought home my little tin of words, aged five. My mother was not well enough to teach me how to read. There had been what you might call an event, a rather large event, and it's the event that shaped my early childhood. It's the event that shaped my mother's life, and perhaps it has been the event that shapes my life, certainly, certainly it shapes this book, Girl with Dove. Dove, a white bird, white, white and pink, the colours I associate with the beginning, with infancy, with the child beginning to find the shape of words. And the first thing she loved apart from her words was her baby brother David. David is associated in my mind's eye, in my child's mind's eye, because this is a story told in the voice of a young child. My brother David emerges from the colour white. 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 didn't have enough time to help me read. She was managing babies and nappies. She was turning dingy cotton nappies, 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 from grey to white, from grey to white, from grey to white, sparkling white. 
white, but white, 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 white is very hard to get back once it's been ruined. Ruined? Ruined? Mum used that word a lot. To ruin, to ruin, to ruin was to turn something from white to grey. To ruin something was to turn it from white to grey, from white to grey, from white, white, white to grey. Nappies were never completely ruined, however, because you could boil them like frogs, like frogs, like frogs, and bring them back to life, to life, to life, to life. Nappies, nappies, nappies could always start again. As long as you kept them on the boil for long enough, as long as you kept them on the boil, 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 for long enough. Mum, Mum hated plastic on baby's bottoms. She preferred cotton. And cotton, 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 cotton needed cooking. Cooking. Cotton needed cooking to make it clean. Every day, every day, Mummy boiled nappies. Every day, Mummy, 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 boiled the nappies inside a large grey saucepan that sat on the hob. The hob. The hob. I climbed on a stool and peered down into the grey water on the hob. I stirred the nappies. I stirred the nappies with a wooden spoon. And I was the nappy witch. The nappy witch. I was the nappy witch. The nappy witch. And a witch has spells. A witch has words she turns into spells, and a spell is a sort of mantra that will lead you away from this place and carry you somewhere else. A spell is a form of enchantment, and I learned how to enchant myself by the sounds of words from the age of four turning five. Mummy took out the nappies and hung them on the back line. They flapped in the breeze. I run underneath. I ran, I ran underneath. I run, I ran, I run, I ran underneath them. And when they touched my scalp, I screamed. Mummy, 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 mummy. Nappies. Nappies, mummy, were hard and scratchy. And I screamed. I sat beneath strong cotton and I felt my brother's fingers and toes. Strong cotton kept out the sky. Strong cotton kept the wind away. Strong cotton kept babies nice and safe. But Diddy, my lord, Diddy, Diddy keep him safe, Diddy keep him safe, Diddy, my lord, Diddy, Diddy keep my baby brother David safe. 
I made a tent from strong cotton and put my baby brother David in it. David, David, King of Israel. David. Where on earth have you put the baby? Mummy asked. Stop playing silly devils. Stop it. Her face was hot and red and the clouds were poking up from behind. He's here, Mummy. He's here. He's asleep. He's asleep, Mummy. Beneath the strong cotton, Mummy. Mummy. Beneath the strong cotton. He's here. He's here, Mummy. He's here. Then one day, David went missing. I couldn't find him anywhere. I couldn't find him anywhere. He was no longer beneath the roses when I went out after lunch. David! 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 I put my hand inside his cot and felt soft, white cotton on my hands. Bare white cotton. Warm cotton. Cotton! 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 And I yelled, Mummy! Mummy! Mummy, 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 mummy. David's not here. Mummy, 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 mummy. Where is David? Mummy, mummy, where is David? Where is David? Where is David? Where is David? Mummy, 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 where is David? David, 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 David. Mummy, where is David? Sometime in the summer of 1976. Sometime in the summer of 1976. The very hot summer. The summer we were all dripping hot and cross, the nappy witch came and took David away. And Mummy went to bed for a very long time. She went for 200 sleeps, maybe more. And soon after, the lady upstairs moved in and Mummy fell under a thick, dark, Spell. Mummy, 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 mummy. She didn't wake for years. And so that, my dears, is your big event. Because every story needs one. From an early age, from the age of four, perhaps, just as I was acquiring the sound of words, I think I began to understand that words are things. Words live and breathe as things. You can touch them and hold them. They are wet or damp or cold or hot or squidgy and soft or hard. And sometimes they melt in your mouth and sometimes they can save you. Cotton, cotton, cotton. Cotton is what you should put next to a baby's bottom, said Mum. Nice, strong cotton. And so strong cotton became my first character. I sat beneath strong cotton and I felt my brother's fingers and toes. I felt strong cotton hold us. And I loved strong cotton for that. And do you know the strangest thing I've just recalled? Today, 
is my brother David's birthday. Today, the day baby David was born. Wait till I tell Andrew, the producer. Andrew, would you believe it? I'm sitting here recording and speaking of baby David, as we call him, as I used to call him. And would you believe it's his birthday? Well, I would believe because that's how people come to us. Intuitively, unconsciously, we are drawn to remembering people. That is the weight of an anniversary. It comes to us without us realising. And so today is baby David's birthday. The day for love. Thank you for listening to A Reading Life, A Writing Life with writer and teacher Sally Bailey Produced by Andrew Smith If you've enjoyed this podcast, please like it, give us a review or mention us to friends or on social media. Thank you.